Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. So we've been making comments for five years now. It's over a hundred episodes and counting. And our plan? Well, it's to keep making more seasons, even more episodes. And when I say we, I don't just mean the comments team. I'm including you, our listeners and supporters. We can't make this show without you. We can't keep bringing you exceptional reporting every week without your support. We want to make it as easy as possible for you to become a Canada Land supporter. So from now until the end of May, we have a special deal for our listeners. Sign up now for just $2 a month for the next six months. You'll get access to all the episodes of Commons one week early and ad-free, as well as exclusive bonus content from all of our shows. There's discounts on merch, tickets to our live events, and so much more. This is a limited-time offer, and it's a pretty great deal that helps support our journalism. Just go to canadaland.com join or click the link in your show notes to become a supporter today. Okay, if you are one of the many, many people who are part of the anyone but Harper Brigade voting in this election, well, you've basically got two major options at the polls. Yeah, in order to stop Harper, it has to be either the Liberals or it has to be the NDP. Pretty much. But between those two, who would you rather have form government? Would you rather Tom Mulcair and the New Democratic Party or... Would you rather have Justin Trudeau and the Liberal Party of Canada? Well, in one week, we are finally, finally going to get a chance to choose. And on the show today, we have someone planning to vote NDP and someone planning to vote Liberal. So they're going to break down for us exactly why they made the choice between these two center-slash-center-left parties. All right, man. Let's get into it. I'm Desmond Cole. And I'm Andre Demise. And this is Canada Land Commons. This episode of Canada Land Commons is brought to you by Halifax bass performer and songwriter Ben Kaplan. Ben's got a new album out called Birds with Broken Wings. And backed by his band, The Casual Smokers, Ben Kaplan is on tour right now, playing shows across Canada and the United States. I asked Ben why he chooses to express his political beliefs through music. I think that songs can be beautiful and powerful tools for expressing political ideas. If you want to write a song that has some politics to it, it has to be poetry first and and political second. This week, Ben Kaplan is playing in Winnipeg, Saskatoon, and my hometown of Red Deer, Alberta. He's got many, many more dates to come across Western Canada and the United States. You can find all of Ben's tour dates at bencaplan.ca slash tour and find the new album on iTunes or wherever you like to buy music. 
Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Joining us this morning is Tiffany Gooch. Tiffany is a lobbyist in public affairs and crisis communications, and she is a supporter of the Liberal Party. Good morning, Tiffany. Good morning. And we also have on the line Luke Savage, who is a Toronto-based writer, and he is an NDP supporter. Luke, good morning. Good morning. Thank you very much, both of you, for joining us. The first question I want to get out to you guys, uh, what do you think are the most important issues in this election? I think that the biggest issue in the election, for me at least, is finding a way to support a government that is positive and forward-thinking and creating the kind of Canada that we want to create. And it, it sounds lofty, but we've, we've seen so far a really negative campaign coming from the Conservatives. And I think that the overarching issue for me has been positivity. And whatever that happens to be, and, and when we get out down into policy issues, it's finding a way not to find the worst in Canadians and, and highlight those, but to bring out the best. Yeah, um, I mean, I agree about the need to turn the page on the Harper government. I think it's been a near decade of almost total disaster for most of the institutions that we prize in this country. We're at a crucial juncture when it comes to climate change, and that that's an issue which, unfortunately, because of the race baiting that's been going on the past few weeks, hasn't gotten the attention it deserves. I think the increase in wealth and income inequality is extremely serious. One in seven Canadians live in poverty, and the income divide is actually much more serious than many Canadians think it is. I think also we're at a crucial juncture when it comes to the survival of social programs in the future. Thanks to 20 years, basically, of fiscal retrenchment and a kind of generally uh, austerity style approach to social programs, the tax base is much smaller than it once was. And I think that 10 or 15 years from now, some of these big programs like Medicare and pensions are going to be in really serious trouble if we don't address that. So that was, those would be just a few of the issues I think are important. Would it be safe to say that, uh, Tiffany, you're going to be voting Liberal in this election? Actually, um, it's safe to say that I already voted Liberal in advance polls. Um, and oh, I, took a, I took a selfie and BuzzFeed Canada retweeted it. So that, that oh, that's happened. That's fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so what, what, are the, what are the reasons that you voted Liberal? I have to say, first and foremost, I'm a, a single female with no kids. Childcare isn't an issue for me. I am not going to own a house in the next 10 years. So it, it's a tough piece and, and I'm paying off my student loans or maybe there's certain pieces here and there. But for me, it's been more about the community building and thinking about other Canadians and, and what their needs are. And, and so I looked at which party was proposing 
policies that really impacted the the Canadians that need it the most. And I think that in terms of jobs in the economy and and really rebuilding on an infrastructure level, the Liberals were being bold and innovative with finding ways to really invest in Canada right now at a time when we could be, again, I I understand the the whole, um, we want to see a balanced budget and I see that, but I mean, I'm in credit card debt right now. (laughs) And and so the question (laughs) of, um, you know, sometimes you just need to be able to stay afloat and sort of put the money where it needs to be and and in the future plan towards that balanced budget. And so I, I see those similarities. And I think that the Liberals are investing in the places that really need it, whether or not they're pocketbook issues directly for me. So I also thought it was a, a really good team. And I think we we often forget because of the way the campaigns are, are built that we're electing an entire government and not just a leader. It gets really leader focused because the media sort of follows the leader around the country and they're talking and, and that's just the way that campaigns have been set up for years and continue to be. But it's not just the leader that makes every decision. It's It's a team that's around them that helps. And I I took a look at those teams and and I I felt that they represented the types of values that I have. So if I got this straight, you don't believe that the commandment for balanced budgets was handed down on like stone tablets on Mount Sinai to Sir John A. McDonald. (laughs) Yeah, it was the most honest part of the campaign for me because I don't know how many times uh, any campaign has promised a balanced budget and then come in and came into power and saw what they were inheriting from the previous government and had to come back and say, I'm sorry, I didn't know. And so when Justin Trudeau came out and said, we're, we're going to have to run a deficit, but in 2019, we're going to make these changes. And this is a time when we have to invest. There are people that don't have jobs. The infrastructure is crumbling across the country. I think it's definitely a time to invest, but a time to be honest about what that investment means. And you don't always have all the money on hand to do it. And and I think in this case, it was an honest depiction of what they would need to do. Luke, let's get you in and ask you, uh, we understand that you are supporting the NDP in this campaign. Why are you doing that? So I think the NDP has the most progressive platform in this election. I think if implemented, it would mark the first real expansion of social programs that there's been in a generation. I'm 26, so I've grown up really only knowing a politics that's been concerned with cutting things back. So I'm excited at the prospect of building things again, things like uh, a public childcare plan, a universal drug plan. I think this would be the first time in my life, certainly, that we've had new social programs in Canada. Uh, and new social programs which would be uh, instrumental in fighting against income inequality. The NDP platform on climate change is also very strong. I think setting targets for uh, the reduction of greenhouse gas emissions, which is something the Liberals have refused to do, uh, because in Justin Trudeau's words, uh, we don't need ambitious political numbers. That's a direct quote. I don't find that very convincing. I think you know, we need clear targets. And I'm excited by much in the NDP platform. I think it's the most progressive platform the NDP's run on for quite some time. And it's especially exciting because there's a real chance that it might be implemented. I want to ask both of you, and I'll start with you first, Luke, about this notion of balanced budgets. And I'm going to be honest, I don't know if this is something that warms the cockles of people's hearts when they're listening to election campaigning, but it's been talked about a lot, and you both are talking about it here. So Luke, to you first, Tom Mulcair has promised to balance the budget when he becomes prime minister. Why is that an important promise to you? The, the classical case for running uh, deficit spending is when the economy is shrinking, the state invests to stimulate demand. 
there was a very small recession, economic contraction of less than 1% that happened over the past few months, largely because of a fall in oil prices and a few other things. Uh, but the economy is growing again. So I think the case for that sort of deficit spending hasn't exactly been made. And one of the main reasons the NDP would balance the budget is because it's pledging to raise corporate taxes and also close uh, a loophole which allows people not to pay taxes on stock options given as compensation. Justin Trudeau has said that running a modest deficit may be necessary for the first couple of years of his administration, but he's also criticized Stephen Harper for running several deficits in a row during his tenure as prime minister. How do you square those two things? I think that the biggest difference is he's investing. I think his criticism to the conservative government has been that they they were running a deficit without investing in those programs. They were, I think, as Luke said, cutting and cutting and cutting everywhere for their entire tenure and not balancing the budget. So, And they were doing that under the guise of we need to balance the budget, but still not balancing the budget. So if you're going to make cuts and you're going to impact Canadians, you're going to close veterans centers across Canada, you're, you're going to defund women's programs, if you're going to do that and say it's to balance the budget, you better balance the budget. I guess my question now is, so what is it that the Liberal Party has done and what is it that Justin Trudeau has done that makes you think that he's going to be the, the best leader for a job? What makes him, I get that you don't like uh, Stephen Harper as prime minister, so why would Justin Trudeau be a better prime minister? I'm going to be honest with you guys. I, I wasn't convinced on Justin right away as a liberal when it happened, like when he was, when it was seen that he might be running for leader. But even back in 2007, I met him for the first time. And I remember having a conversation with a former cabinet minister that served in Cretan's government and Martin's government. And she was really excited about him. And her explanation to me was, he doesn't need to know everything, but if he can build the type of team and respect that team and allow them to work together and not dictate to them what they're going to do and how they're going to do it, he can build something amazing. And over that time, we've seen really competitive races for candidates across Canada. Really amazing people wanted to run on that team. And I think that he's demonstrated the type of leadership that relies on the people around him as well to help make great decisions. And I think that that's the, the key difference between him and Harper, where Harper, I think, really believes he himself knows what's best at all times and has these ministers and, and members that he's making all of the decisions for. And I am excited at the concept of a more collaborative government. Well, this is true, but there's also a corollary to that. I mean, you're saying why he would be a better prime minister than Stephen Harper and why the Liberals would be a better governing party than the Conservatives. But there's also Thomas Mulcair and the NDP. So what exactly would make Justin Trudeau and the Liberals a better governing party than the NDP? That's a good question. That's the question that everybody's trying to answer right now. And I know that I have chosen the Liberal team because I think that they've found a good balance between progressive and responsible. And I'm really excited at the thought that they're being honest and straightforward with Canadians about what they say that they want to do. And and then they're also looking to what's possible. And I think a conversation I had recently with someone, it's, it's sort of, they're doing both. They have a strong long-term vision for what they want to see Canada be. And then they're also looking specifically at the, the short-term items. I also, I, I do have to say, I think that we're, we're in a tough spot as Canadians having three options, right? And I think it makes it more and more difficult for us to get rid of a, a Harper government if, we, if that's not what we want. I, I feel almost as if with this election, that the NDP and the Liberals have been in a very similar space. And when we're, we're in that, it just it allows the Conservatives to come up through the middle in a lot of spaces. 
Luke, let me ask you that question as well, because we hear a lot about the horse race right now. We hear that the NDP used to be in the lead and that now they are no longer in the lead, that they may even be in third place. And I'm not a big advocate of following the horse race, but people out there are listening. What is the case for still supporting the NDP, even if they may not be in the lead and able to form government? People often say that, you know, you shouldn't vote out of fear. I disagree with that. I vote uh, because I'm afraid that we won't get a progressive social democratic government if we don't go all, all go out and vote for it. That's what takes me to the polls. I think that too often in elections, we get involved in these absurd sort of meta conversations that are not really about the issues. They're not really about the political choices that are on offer. They're kind of about how we think other people may be seeing things or, or whatever. And then various narratives about the polls become memes that get transmitted through the media and stuff. And we end up in a place where we're not really talking about the issues. And I don't think that that's a very good way of doing elections. And I, I should add, I think the same thing would be true if the NDP was still registering in first place in the polls, it wouldn't be a defense if NDP supporters were to go door to door and tell people, well, vote NDP because you have to, because that's the only way to stop Harper. It's not a good argument, whoever makes it. Parties need to make the case for why they have the best program. So I think the burning question for a lot of people is in a country where so many are saying Harper needs to go. The problem with politics is Stephen Harper. And we have parties who seem to agree on that. Why can't those parties work together to defeat this apparent common enemy that is Stephen Harper? Why are they going out on their own when collectively they have more support than the prime minister does? History, really. Politics is a team sport and we've got these teams with their colors and they've built within themselves strong strategies of how they want to win and, and they're, they're, they're pitted against each other. And I think that the, the problem here is that when you try to collaborate with another team short term, it's hard to trust what happens when you're not a team anymore. And the histories between them and the times that they've run against each other from the top. I mean, it's one thing for two leaders to say we'd like to be able to work together, but you have to keep in mind that these races are happening on the ground. I've seen campaigns where there were stolen cars and slashed tires and bricks in windows, and this is between the Liberals and then the NDP, not even the, the Conservatives aren't involved in that. And so when you have that kind of hurt and pain and, and differences between Liberals and NDP on the ground, it's really hard to then come back together after a campaign and, and work together. I mean, I agree with much of what Tiffany said about, you know, there's, there's ideological and political acrimony between the Liberals and the NDP, but I think there's a pretty simple empirical answer to your question, which is that the Trudeau Liberals have explicitly ruled out any kind of cooperation either before or after the election uh, several times when it was offered by the NDP. So, I mean, that's, that's the but answer. But again, and, and Luke, and I'm sorry to cut you off here, but it's, again, as easy as possible to say, let's find a way to work together. Let's do this. But when you're walking into an election and you need to rev up your base and get them excited and, and work, it weakens your base team to say, and we're going to probably eventually do whatever we have to do. And so 
I think it's easy for anybody in leadership to say we're going to work together and completely different to actually do and and to organize in terms of how you then work together. I would add that I don't think the NDP's outreach to the Liberals on this was insincere. They were making a proposal about possibly some kind of electoral pact uh, that would have ensured that the Conservatives would definitely have lost the election. Well, I think a lot of people perceive the NDP and the Liberals, more or less, to be on the same side of a lot of different issues. So what is it about these parties that is so distinct? I think it's just they're different organizations at their core. And I know that it would be lovely to make it a strictly sort of policy issue, but it boils down to like an organizational structure and a culture of these two parties that make it difficult to to align. And, and I honestly, I can say to you, I believe they could have come out accidentally with the same platform. <laughs> but I think that it's naive for us to think they would look at each other and say, whoa, we want the same things. Let's just do this together. They're people at the end of the day, and the culture of the organizations makes it difficult to just merge. I really think it's important not to play down the differences between the NDP and the Liberals. The platforms are not the same. They're quite different, and they reflect very different visions for what a progressive agenda looks like. The records of the Liberals and the NDP in the last parliament are extremely different in terms of how they voted, particularly on security legislation. The Liberals voted for both Bill C-51 and for the so-called Zero Tolerance for Barbaric Cultural Practices Act. So they, I think, really capitulated on two of the issues which are lingering just behind all of this kind of niqab stuff and this security baiting that the Conservatives are doing in this election. I think that's a pretty crucial difference. I think there's also a different approach to social programs. The liberal approach to the childcare problem is is social transfers, you know, whereas the NDP proposal is to create an actual universal system of public childcare. And I do think these are two distinct approaches to the same problem. Uh, And I happen to agree with the NDP approach because I think as a social democrat, I take the view that good quality public services are a priority and that when there's market failure, as in the case of childcare, where there aren't enough spaces, where the spaces that do exist are too expensive, simply cutting a bigger check to people isn't the best way of solving that problem. We actually need to, to some extent, decommodify the whole business of childcare, just as we've done with healthcare, and provide childcare as a public service. So I think these are all issues, and there are many more, on which there are genuine differences between the Liberals and the NDP. And I I do think some of the cooperation stuff that's talked about by nonpartisan or sort of multipartisan anything but conservative groups really does face some of these differences. And, you know, I, I believe that in elections we should be talking about the differences between different parties. And I, I don't accept that we have sort of two parties of, on the left that are cutting into each other's votes. I think we have two distinct visions that are to the left of the Conservatives, certainly. Uh, and we need to have a serious conversation about uh, whose vision we think is better. We all know it's been a long campaign, but I'd like to ask each of you, what has been your favorite moment during this election period? What's been a moment that has inspired or uplifted you? I think that the NDP's refusal to capitulate to the Conservatives over this NECAB thing and to uh, reiterate the court's decision on it multiple times and against the wishes of several of its own candidates, in fact, that made me happy that there is political leadership in Canada that's able to think beyond parochial electoral 
concerns and to still take positions on principle. Because, I mean, it would have been very easy to simply give up or give some sort of mealy-mouthed explanation to try to find some kind of compromise way of, like, not taking a position, only semi-taking a position. I thought that uh, Thomas Mulcair's stance on the niqab was quite an honorable thing. It's not an issue we should be talking about in an election campaign. Uh, I'm not proud of my country. That There's a moment that makes me not proud. It's uh, pretty much every single one of them for the last three weeks when we've been talking about this non-issue. But I, I do think that the fact that so many Canadians in all the parties that are not the Conservatives, uh, the fact that they've shown such passionate revulsion to this kind of politics uh, is something that we can uh, be happy about. So I, I would point out the Syrian refugee crisis when that sort of popped up and then the photo of the, the boy on the beach. When, um, who was it, is it Chris Alexander? When he came out and sort of started blaming the media and saying they, you know, they haven't been talking about this and that's why it's not an issue and, and then had to suspend his campaign. Um, I remember watching that and being so proud to be able to look back at footage from like years ago when Justin was talking about the need to create more spaces and, and get rid of red tape and ensure that we were bringing in as many people as possible. And every other leader was vocal on this at that point to sort of say, this is where we stand and to sort of say, well, we want to bring in 25,000 more. And, and how can we ensure that our role in this is open and again, in a safe way, um, ensuring that we're helping as many people as possible. That was a proud moment for me. And, and I, I think it really started to shape how much control Harper couldn't have over that moment, right? It was external. It was is, you know, it was just something that was happening around the world and Canadians started to really start to feel it. And I was proud to see and hear not Justin just say something in a campaign setting, but that before the campaign, this was a narrative and, and the stance that he had always been taking. Once again, Tiffany Jean Gooch and Luke Savage. You guys, thank you so much for coming in. It's been a pleasure talking to you both. Thank you. Thank you for having us. All right, Andre, listening to that conversation was pretty interesting for me. The reason being that our guests see a really big distinction between the two parties, which, you know, is fair given their experience and their analysis. But I don't know that most people see it that way. I think most people in this country who do not want Stephen Harper to come back into office see the election being about that. They see the election as being about getting rid of someone rather than supporting somebody. I totally get that. And I think Luke made a very good case as to why it's not a matter of, quote unquote, uniting the left in order to defeat Stephen Harper, because he's right. The Liberal Party and the, the NDP do come from two very, very different backgrounds. Like social democracy is not the same as liberalism. That's absolutely correct. I really do not appreciate this whole stop Harper BS. And I don't like it because, fine, you don't like Stephen Harper. Matter of fact, I'll be honest, I don't like Stephen Harper. I don't like the conservative policies. But if you've had this long to build up cases as to why Stephen Harper is a, is a terrible prime minister and why conservative policies are so bad, if you've had that long, then a couple of things that you can do. One, create some really great policy proposals of your own. You've had four years to go ahead and do that. And then two, if he's such a terrible prime minister and his policies are so bad, stop supporting him and his policies. Every single time the liberals have had a chance on major issues to take a stand and say, absolutely not, we are not for this, that's not who we are as a party, that's not who we are as a country. And Luke mentioned that the Barbaric Cultural Practices Act and Bill C-51, rather than take a stand and say, nope, we're part of the opposition, so we're going to oppose and here's why, 
they collapse. They absolutely just went along and says, okay, well, you know what? We don't like the bill the way it is, but then if we're elected, then we're going to make some changes. And that's just such a wishy-washy approach. And some people call it centrism. I just call it cowardice. Okay. I mean, I wouldn't agree with you that the liberals have supported the conservative government on every major thing that they've done. But no, I'm not saying they supported them on every major thing. I'm just saying you look at the Liberal Party and unfortunately they have a record of voting along with the Conservatives on some of the issues that divide us the most. I, I mean, I, I feel as though the problem that we have is that Stephen Harper has been such a new and polarizing force in this country. That's the Stephen right Harper is not new. Matter of fact, Stephen Harper's politics are not new. You can carry Stephen Harper's politics all the way back to the Reform Party and the Canadian Alliance. I mean, he was present the entire time. We've had literally decades to come up with policy solutions to combat that, and we haven't. I don't actually think that this is about policy, and I agree with Tiffany on that point. I don't think that this is about people wanting to hear that you're going to spend this much or this less, that you're going to run a deficit or you're not going to. I think it's about image. I think it's always about image in these kinds of campaigns. And I think that the reason that the polls right now, because they're always changing, are showing Justin Trudeau in first, is that he is projecting an image that a lot of Canadians can relate to. I mean, this is such a confusing thing for people to follow because one day the polls say that the NDP are leading. The next day they say the Conservatives are leading. The next day they say, oh no, it's actually the Liberals who are in the lead. And these leads are like two percentage points. They're insignificant. And so everybody's trying to figure out what to do based on this horse race polling. But I know you and I differ on this. I think that people should get out and vote no matter who it is that they're going to be voting for in this election. <laughs> yeah, I know. Are you going to have your shot, man? Don't worry. Okay, okay. I'm going to give you, I'm going to let you finish. But I'm just saying that while this system is imperfect, it is the system that we have. And I believe about elections what I believe about everything else in this world, which is that if you don't use it, you lose it. So we can complain all we want. We can bitch all we want, Andre. This is not a perfect system. But we have to use the system that we have before it becomes irrelevant and gets replaced with something else. Okay, so here's there's a lot to work with, but I'm going to start with this matter of use it or lose it. Desmond, you know I love you, but that's garbage. And I'll tell you why. Go on. People act like those of us who um, who may exercise the right not to vote. And by the way, I'm going to go ahead and vote. Like, I know who I'm voting for. And I'm not going to be secretive about it. Tanya DeMello, who is the local NDP candidate for Etobicoke Center, I think is a brilliant and fantastic person. I've had some conversations with her, and I really am energized by her being part of Parliament. I think that Parliament needs people like her to be in it. And now you're going to tell people not to vote, though. No, but hang on. But that's who I have as a local candidate who I feel best represents my points of view. And I think that we need to get away from looking at who's a party leader and which team do you stand on and whose colors do you fly. Look at who are your local candidates. I happen to find one that I resonate with. But if you don't happen to have one in your area, if you're looking at the Liberals and the NDP and the Green Party, maybe even the Bloc Québécois, but if you're looking at your local candidates and you just you can't find somebody who you feel represents your points of view, I think it's as valid a point of view to say, you know what, I'm just not going to go ahead and vote. And what Here's what, what makes me so upset. After the election is over, after the whole thing is said and done, and then we end up somewhere between 40 and 60% voter turnout, there's always this long-winded conversation, this finger-wagging 
conversation about all these people who didn't get out to vote and, oh, well, if you had actually just come out and vote, then things would be different. And if you don't vote, then you have no right to complain and blah, blah, blah. Well, what you're saying is that when you decide to ignore what my needs are as somebody who does want to get out and vote and somebody who wants to become engaged, like there are so many reasons why people do want to get out there and do want to engage and they're not hearing anything either from the parties or from their local candidates. Don't tell them that they had a responsibility to get out and vote. This responsibility cuts two ways. There's a responsibility for the voter to be engaged civically, but there's also a responsibility for politicians to have people have reasons to vote for them. And if you can't give somebody a reason to vote for you, then you you don't get to chastise me afterwards. You don't get to I ain't chastising nobody, my brother. I'm not chastising anyone and saying that people have a responsibility and they'd better go out there and exercise their responsibility. I'm telling people why I do this. I'm telling people why, despite my own frustration, despite the fact that there is no political party that matches up perfectly with my beliefs and my value system, that I am still going out there and I am voting because... There is a part of me that believes, I can't believe I'm going to quote Winston Churchill, but here we go. Like, it's the worst system except for all the other ones that we have tried. And all I'm saying is that we are lucky, my brother. We are lucky that we get to sit here and be like, I ain't voting. I'm uh, I'm not going to go. This is a waste of my time. And there are people in other parts of the world who would literally die but to be able to have just... an impact on who represents them and we are spoiled my friend but hang on. let me finish okay, no let ahead, me finish ahead, what i'm saying here we are spoiled that we can sit back and have the luxury of deciding to opt out and that's this thing that i see is that like it's this cool thing to just be like you know what i'm just going to opt out of this process i am not hating on anybody who decides out there not to go and vote. We had September Anderson on. She gave her reasons why she said, I'm not voting. I respect that. But from my point of view, the system is going to impact you whether you participate or not. And I want people to think about that before they opt out. But that's one way of participating. To me, that's, sure. that's just as much a... L- listen, are you... Gonna- I, I, I would at least want people to go and spoil their ballot. Go and... Not spoil... Sorry. Decline. Decline. And let me actually explain this on the radio while we have an opportunity here, is that you can go into your local polling station and you can register and have all your stuff checked out and okay, you're okay to vote. And you can have them hand you your ballot and you can hand it right back to them and say, no, thank you. And that gets registered in the system. If there's somebody out there who would be willing to go out into neighborhoods and communities where there is a low voter turnout and to have a conversation with people and say, well, what is it that you need? What is it that we could be doing better for you that would make you want to come out and vote? I think that would be a great way to engage uh, and, and to get the voter turnout to be increased. But you know what? They don't do that. And I know this because I've, I have literally tried for years to get parties to come out to certain neighborhoods and have a conversation with people and ask, okay, well, what is it we can do for you? And you know what the answer is? We just don't have the time. We don't have the resources. So I'm sorry. No, you if you're not going to show loyalty to the people that you say you want to serve, then they don't have any loyalty to you either. You're helping me refine what I'm trying to say here, which is simply that whether you vote or not in this election, what happens is going to affect you afterwards. And we need to find ways to be engaged, even if they are not going out and casting a formal ballot. We need to find ways to participate in this country. There's a lot of people even out there who don't feel like this is their country, like this country is not doing right by them. And I understand that, Andre. But we need to engage at some level, even if it's not going to be on October 19th, because this place that we are in, it is ours. It matters what we say. It matters what we feel, even if we're marginalized. And we have to find a way to have our voices heard, even if it is not during the election. I get it. 
That is the program for today, and you are all invited to come and join our Canada Land Election Night Party podcast in Toronto. It's going to be at the Monarch Tavern. There will be drinks. There will be me, Andre, Supriya, and a whole cast of other characters from the show providing our thoughts on the election results. If you cannot make it, have no fear. We will be live streaming the episode online. There's a Facebook event and you can find more details there or check out our Twitter feed or our website, which is canadalandshow.com for more details. If you'd like to find us on Twitter, go ahead and search Canada Land Commons. It will be the first result you find. Our lovely producer, Imogen Burchard, was the producer of the show this week and we thank her. And music credits go out to Nathan Burley. If you'd like to search for us on the web, it's canadalandshow.com. You may email us at desmond at canadalandshow.com and andre at canadalandshow.com. You can also subscribe to us at iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. And since you are such big fans of this program, please chip in by supporting us at patreon.com slash canadaland. The next episode of Canada Land Shortcuts is up on Thursday. Canada Land Commons is coming to you live on Monday. It will be available for download on Tuesday. Yeah, we're looking forward to election night, guys. See you soon. Hello, Winkler! Are you ready to rock? This episode is brought to you in part by the Douglas Mattress. Now, I've said it before and I'll say it again. One of the best, and I mean the best things you can do for yourself, is to get a good quality mattress. The time is now, people. Douglas is giving our listeners a free sleep bundle with each mattress purchase. Get the sheets, pillows, mattress protector, and pillow protectors free with your Douglas purchase today. Visit douglas.ca slash CanadaLand to claim this offer. That's douglas.ca slash CanadaLand to claim this offer. So we've been making comments for five years now. It's over a hundred episodes and counting. And our plan? Well, it's to keep making more seasons, even more episodes. And when I say we, I don't just mean the Commons team. I'm including you, our listeners and supporters. We can't make this show without you. We can't keep bringing you exceptional reporting every week without your support. We want to make it as easy as possible for you to become a Canadaland supporter. So, from now until the end of May, we have a special deal for our listeners. Sign up now for just $2 a month for the next six months. You'll get access to all the episodes of Commons one week early and ad-free, as well as exclusive bonus content from all of our shows. There's discounts on merch, tickets to our live events, and so much more. This is a limited-time offer, and it's a pretty great deal that helps support our journalism. Just go to canadaland.com join or click the link in your show notes to become a supporter today. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello 
Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.